We get it poppin', homie, day and night. Got the party jumping, about to break the ice. Stay up on my grind, that's my way of life. I got tunnel vision, I'ma chase that real life. And uh, Kansas has come back in the in the championship game. Wow. There's a possibility of him losing all of these games in the division. I'm not that's not a knock against the Raiders. <laughs> I think Devontae Adams is really in for a rude awakening. The, the Jets have done everything to my expectations and further so far. Uh, and and they've been aggressive too. But it might be like Joe Douglas's job on the line. What is going on, everybody? You are back on Jake's Takes. Of course, the podcast presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. As always, I'm Jake Serrano, taking you through some of my quick takes to start your weekend off. Happy Saturday. Happy weekend. I hope everyone's doing well, healthy. And uh, I hope we are enjoying our weekend as well. Today, we got a little bit of a different show. As I mentioned last week, when we brought on Jack Roll, uh, the student uh, sports director of Monmouth University, we are doing interviews, some more interviews this week. And I'm excited and happy to welcome New Jersey native, the director of sales and media relations and the broadcaster from the New Jersey Jackals, Reed Keller. Reed, how are you doing today? Jake, I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate you having having you on, and uh, I'm excited for some of the stuff we get to talk about today. And uh, hopefully, we can help some people. Hopefully, we can get some some good answers from you and learn learn a little bit about uh, Jackals baseball. Oh, I'll do my best. All right. So, I kind of wanted to start from the beginning, and because we want I want the audience and for me too to get to kind of know you a little better. So, start from the beginning for me. Where did your passion for TV and radio start? So it pretty much started from being a kid in school, kind of realizing, you know, genetics wise, I wasn't going to grow up to be the fastest, strongest or most talented in any of the sports that I really love to play. Uh, and then once I kind of started becoming more aware of, of sports on TV and watching the guys who present the sports, either in the studio setting or actually at the game, then I found out they got paid. Once I found out you get paid to talk about sports and no one can tell you to shut up about it, I was hooked. Um, I, you know, pretty much talk sports 24 seven when I was a kid, I still almost do 24 <laughs> seven, uh, and, and just really went after, you know, the different avenues to, to break into it. I was going to, you know, as a kid, I was going to go to Syracuse, which was the number one school for broadcasting. Like all the great broadcasters came out of new house. I was going to go there and then I was going to be on air and just become the next like great Joe Buck or whatever. That was like my whole goal. Obviously that changed a little bit. Um, but I would say from about the age of like eight or nine, I was full in on sports. So I'm actually a sophomore in college. I'm going to be going into my junior year. And, uh, one of the schools I actually wanted to go to was Syracuse. Um, I mm-hmm. ultimately chose to go inside of the state of New Jersey just for, for financial reasons. Uh, cause it's easier to do that in New Jersey. Sure. Yes. Yeah, so I, I can relate to you on that, on that basis as well. But, but going off of that, how did you, how did you find, and how did you start off your college career? Once you graduated, how did you find your first job? How'd you go about that? Yeah, so I, I went to Ithaca College, which I think was the best decision for me uh, because it allowed me to get on air from day one as a freshman. So I was on TV, radio, and I was writing newspaper articles from the first day that I stepped on the campus. Uh, and they have a great alumni base as well. They call it the Park Mafia uh, for the Park School of Communications. We have someone who has either worked in or is currently working at every media company you can name. Uh, so I had a wealth of opportunities that I had access to. I could, you know, say, talk to people who had been there, talk to people that I went to school with who had interned there. Uh, and, and it just, you know, it allowed me to have pretty much a preset path to work with. Um, so, you know, during school, 
Uh, my senior year, I did my semester abroad, even though I was living at home. It was just abroad of the college campus. Um, so I was uh, a season-long intern in the Media Rights Relations Department for the National Hockey League, which is an impressive resume point and something that really led to a lot of the other jobs that I got post-grad. So I graduated in spring of 2019, immediately went to work for the Philadelphia Eagles and their content creation department, um, where I really got into doing just a little bit of everything. So my day-to-day role was to create metadata for all of the pictures and video that they had brought uh, or taken at uh, training camp and just you know tag it with Zach Ertz catching a ball from, at the time, Carson Wentz. Uh, but I also said, you know, hey, I have a background in podcasting and, and radio production. So I helped them with their shoulder programming and just made myself available for everything. And that led to getting the season long internship for the 2019 season with NFL Films, which I still think is one of the best internships that I have ever done. Uh, because as a huge football fan, getting to walk into what's essentially the best football museum this side of the actual Hall of Fame Museum in Canton, Ohio. Uh, it was just tremendous uh, getting to walk those halls every day, see the history, be a part of the history uh, and help coordinate getting camera people to the various shoots. So those are my two jobs right out of school, which I think set my resume a little bit uh, ahead of a lot of the other candidates uh, that I was competing against for various positions. Yeah, that's that's something I want to jump into because I did notice you had a long list of work and experience, which is so important in the field today. And uh, like you mentioned, with the Eagles, with NFL films, with the NHL, uh, and now with the Jackals, like, how have you progressed from each experience? And what would you say is something you've learned and you've taken that with, uh, with you throughout your journey? So that's a great question. I think you take a little bit of everything from any of the experiences that you have, whether it was a good one or a bad one, whether you enjoyed your job or absolutely hated it and couldn't wait for it to end. Um, Because everything is a learning opportunity when you're in college or you're just getting your first internship. So fortunately, I've never had a bad boss. I've never had a job where I just could not wait to get out of there. Um, So learning those, (laughs) learning those things and and taking them with me uh, certainly helps in each spot. And then you, you know, you just have to be available to grow. You have to be available to learn. Uh, So the NHL is going to teach you a lot of different things about their fans and the people they work with in the NFL, because the fan bases are drastically different. Um, And with the Eagles, you're working for just a team and you're telling just the team story as opposed to at a league, you're working with, you know, league wide 30 to 32 clubs and telling all of their individual stories. Uh, But all of those things have helped me getting to the Jackals because as much as I love the team growing up, I still live in a house that I was born in. I, live 15 minutes from the stadium. So I grew up with this franchise. I know the history. I know everything about the stadium. I know everything about the team and the level, but now being in the operational or organizational role, I now need to bring, all right, well, here's how I've done it in the past. Here's what I can bring to the table to help them this year and beyond. Right. Yeah. I think, I think all that is, is, is so important. And it's so interesting. You have so, you have so much work that's been done. And so much experience, but going even even going even further with that, how have you seen the TV and radio field change just over this short amount of time? Like how how much how much of of the work you did maybe five or four years ago? How much has has that changed up until now? Yeah, everything is. Can it be done via streaming? Um, very little of our work is on a 
terrestrial platform anymore. So the Jackals, uh, throughout my tenure, we've been on an internet radio station uh, called Mixler. It's basically like a podcasting platform. It's very inexpensive to use for content creators. It's over the internet, easy to access. They have an app. They can work on mobile sites. They can work on desktops, whatever. Uh, the team has not been on a terrestrial radio station since the mid twenty mid 2000s, I think. It's been quite a while. So you've, you haven't been able to turn a radio dial in your car and listen to Jackals baseball for at least 10 years now. Um, so we were ahead of the curve there. The streaming platforms for TV have increased exponentially. So we used to be in the Can-Am League and we'd have just a you know, six-team platform that was free to use. Now it's all behind a paywall and there's ad space to sell. So I think it, it can be really unique the challenges that we have to face as a team that only has a limited budget to get to where we need to be streaming wise but it's all streaming can you stream it and can i watch it on my phone as opposed to coming to a game or watching it on tv yeah everything's everything shifted over to i need it now right now especially with with social media and you, and you mm-hmm. see the videos out in two three seconds and you know nowadays too you got to catch people's eye you have to people's attention spans are, are so short and you have to try and capture that as, as, as best as possible. I think that's where we're in a unique position because we're independent baseball. So if they're here, it's really easy to keep their attention because we give them so many different things to do on a broadcast. It can be, it can be a little easier because you've got, these guys are trying to get back to affiliated ball. So they have more of a story to tell. It's not just about, here's the game action, which can get people bogged down. And it's not about the ad reads that have infiltrated the major league level broadcast. These are guys that, you know, you're just as likely to see them on the field here as you are to see them. Maybe their dream is deferred and now they're working somewhere else. So really trying to tell those stories and sell those stories to people is something that I love to do. Yeah. So I want to, we'll go, we'll get to Jackals baseball in a couple minutes or so, but I want to, I want to keep it, uh, focus on you. So I'm going to, I'm going to stay, I'm going to keep my course uh, on this a little yep. bit, but uh, let me, let me ask you what inspired you or maybe someone inspired you to get into the TV and radio field. Like where, where did all that passion come from? So a lot of it came from being fortunate enough to be in the New York area and having access to four five, six, up to nine of the greatest broadcast teams in the country. Uh, they're, you know, there are no guys who are brand new who break into the New York market. You know, they've all worked their way up and they've built their craft. So I've been able to, you know, I grew up watching Yankee games and seeing all of the, the great analysts that they had, whether they played the game or not. Um, got to listen to Giants games and idolize Bob Papa, who, you know, I model a lot of my broadcast style after and a lot of the ways that I go about um, what I do on a daily basis after him. Um, and then some of the, the pioneers of sports radio, which was all I basically did in college, getting to listen to Mike Francesa and, and Mad Dog Chris Russo, um, instead of listening to stories that my dad would read me at bedtime, I'd just throw on the radio and listen to WFAN. You know, uh, so just having access to some of the greatest broadcasters in the world on a daily basis you don't have a choice if you're interested in sports and sports broadcasting than to idolize one of those guys. So that was where I think I took a lot of my passion and I took a lot of my cues on how to become a a good broadcaster. Yeah. Well, 
this this show is is well i'm also from new jersey i'm also mm-hmm. a new jersey native i live uh i live down south in new jersey so i've always been a part of the new york sports market in a sense and it sounds like you've uh, pretty much your whole life you would say you've been a part of the new york sports market let's yep. go i want to dive into just you know a little bit of a fun question for you as a new jersey native and being in the new york sports market that's usually what we talk about on this show who are some of your favorite sports teams do you have a line with with the new york sports market or did you decide to go a different direction no no all all aligned uh so Gi- the giants are are my number one i was born raised and, and weaned on football um go to almost every home game um good, bad, indifferent. There's been a lot of bad and indifferent lately. (laughs) Um, So Giants, number one, Yankees, second, uh, Devils, third. I actually played hockey in high school. um, So it was, that was a big, big thrill um, and and a lot of fun uh, getting to kind of play the sport at the same time that they were really hyper competitive. I mean, I started, I broke into the sport my sophomore year of high school, just on a whim. Uh, and that was right off their Stanley cup run in 2012. Um, so good, good area for good time to be involved in hockey and, and the devils do great work with the New Jersey high school hockey scene. Uh, and then not a huge, huge basketball fan um, was a bigger net fan when they were right down the road in, in East Rutherford. And then when they moved to Brooklyn, I was like, Oh yeah, I mean, I'll just go with them. Why not? Right. You know, not going to, not going to switch anything. And then, I'm not a huge fan of, of super teams, which is a whole nother conversation. So after they kind of sold out and got yeah. Harden and, and all those guys, I was kind of done with them, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll still watch them because I'm a huge fan of Iron Eagle. So I'll watch more for the broadcast yeah. than I will for the, the three point and no D game. All right, good. So I, I hope we got a good standing here with the audience. So they know you're, <laughs> so they, you know, we're aligned together here. Good. Um, before, before we, kind of go in a different direction I, w- I have one more question for you here so often and at least from my experience so often I hear all the time and uh at least for me I find that I have to keep pushing myself keep getting the workout and 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 keep producing my stuff there, so often I hear oh the you know the field is too hard there's there's you know you're going to start from the bottom and work your way up did you ever have any doubts in your mind and and maybe is there someone who who helped you along the way that got you to this point? Yeah, I, there was, there's a lot of that, um, that, that goes on. It's, it's obviously part of your journey. If you're going to be on air, you're going to have to do some sort of, I don't want to say going to a nowhere market because every market right. is important to someone, but there is going to be a long ladder to climb for, for me, this whole job with the jackals came about almost by accident um and i know we'll, we'll cover that in a little bit but it was really just i mean my friends were were a great support system and and seeing how they were going through how they were pursuing their careers i have friends who were on air in upstate new york on air in los angeles on air all across the country um so i i really you know pulled from what their experience was uh, but was able to kind of just make it my own and, and change a little. Cause I, I actually don't have aspirations to be on air for a career. Um, this is just something that I'm doing in service to the organization for right now, which you can cover in a little bit, but uh, it was really just see what happens, you know, it, and, and a lot of being in the right place at the right time and having the best avail, the best ability be availability. Yeah. I love that. So it kind of just fell in, almost fell into your lap. I want to say accidental, but 
just in, in, in that sort of realm? Yeah, I, well, I wouldn't say that it fell into my lap. It was more like I forcibly grabbed it and ran away with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so the backstory to a little bit back towards, you know, my career path coming off of of the internship at NFL Films, I was uh, in the process of looking for another job. And my final round interview for that position was March of 2020. Obviously, everything changed right. in the world in, in that month. Uh, so I had a final round interview over Zoom, thought I did fairly well. And they just went two months and they, you know, understandably said, we don't know what is happening right now. We're right. unable to bring you on because we're unable to bring anybody on. And at that time, the Jackals announced that they were having a six-team COVID league basically to stay alive as an organization. And I drove up the next day, thrust my resume into the general manager's hands for whom I interned in 2018 and said, hey, I'm here. I'm local. I'm not traveling in from anywhere. I would love to broadcast these games and bring them into the homes of people who probably aren't going to come to the games because it's the height of the pandemic. Uh, and that started my affiliation with the team and, and up to now. So it was just being in the right place, at the right time and having an idea and going for it. Yeah. So let's, let's get into that. Cause I, like I said, we're going to talk some Jackals baseball and uh, sure. I want to get into that right now. So talking a little bit about the New Jersey Jackals baseball, like I said earlier, I, I didn't know much about Jackals baseball. So I went after it and I looked it up, tell, tell, tell me and the fans about the independent frontier league and, and what it's about. Sure. So we are a we are the largest independent baseball circuit in the country now. Uh, after a merger between the Frontier League and the Can-Am League in 2019, we now have a 16-team league that runs from Quebec all the way to St. Louis. Uh, so huge, huge footprint across the country, and uh, it, it's 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 an exciting time for Jackals baseball. This is going to be our 25th anniversary season. All played in Little Falls, all on the campus of Montclair State. And these guys are all either former major leaguers kind of at the upper echelon of the league who have fallen out and are trying to get back or guys who come out of a smaller school or weren't scouted well enough. And now they're trying to get into affiliate ball. Yeah. When I was, when I was doing my research, I saw that, uh, that they had a 2019 championship in the, in the Canadian uh, American association league. How, how, how does that all, how did that dynamic come together? Uh, after 2019 and when they merged, how, how, how does all that come together? Yeah, so we were the uh, reigning forever Can-Am League champions because we won the last one. Right. Uh, and, and that actually started in the middle of that summer. So the Can-Am League All-Stars played the Frontier League All-Stars at a ballpark that was in the Can-Am League at the time in New York, uh, suburban Rockland County, New York. And the idea was hatched there to merge the leagues together. The Can-Am League was very small only six teams. There was constant turnover. One franchise is always folding and they were either going in with a traveling team or finding a new market. And so they just wanted to be enveloped in a league that was a little bit more established uh, and has access and established access to the suburban markets. So now that we're in the frontier league, big league, but we're also like right on the outside of a couple of different, either major metropolitan areas or major, major league areas. So you have the New Jersey Jackals, the Sussex County Miners, who are located in the north of the state, and the New York Boulders, all sharing the New York market. So they're drawing people who are priced out of going to Met and Yankee games. We have teams in Quebec, Trois-Rivières, and Ottawa, 
So not exactly within the Toronto market, right. but they are an alternative to fans who can't get down to a Blue Jays game. Got teams in St. Louis, got teams in Chicago. Um, so taking away from priced out of Cardinals or priced out of White Sox and Cubs games. So just really, you know, swinging above our weight class for these suburban markets and families of four who wanted an affordable night out on a summer. And that's been what the Jackals MO has been for this area. We're positioned perfectly. We have access to over five counties and a hundred towns in each of those counties. And we have people that have been coming since 1998 when we played our first season and people that are just like yourself, who are just hearing about us now that maybe through this podcast for the first time, like, Oh, I had no idea they were in my backyard. Let's go to a game. We have 51 games for people to come to. So. Yeah. I want to keep, I want to keep it at that because I know it's, I know it's independent of Mm -hmm. both the majors and the minors, but I want to know what is the frontier league. Does it have any, I know the big game of baseball, but does it have any similarities to the minor leagues and how does that, what's the, what is the defined line of distinction? Like what draws the distinction for the league? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is just how young these guys are. Um, So we play baseball at a level comparable to double A ball, but we are not allowed to have got we are not allowed to have more than four guys over the age of 24, 29 on our roster. Um, So these are not going to be guys like Jose Canseco at the end of his career, Mm -hmm. who was just hanging on by a thread coming and being basically a glorified Sunday softball hero. Um, These are guys that are hungry that are playing for the love of the game and know that the fans are as important to the product as they are. So we have guys that will sign autographs for hours after the game. If it means that they, everybody walks away with a memory as opposed to, you know, if you're at a major league stadium, sometimes the guys aren't as willing to sign those autographs. So the access to the players is the biggest difference between our game and any other game on up the chain, because our guys aren't being, handled by major league teams in any way shape or form so with a couple of the minor league guys you know they'll be all right we have to be in the cage at this time because otherwise the major league tracker is gonna ding us for something our guys here let me sign this autograph for you let me go to the cage i'll come right back i promise you Um, so the access is a huge thing the other biggest thing is the major leagues we're a partner league with major league baseball So they can come down and give us things to try, which they've done in the Atlantic League, uh, which is another independent circuit close in this area. They actually moved the mound back in the Atlantic League as a way to test out, you know, could that create more offense and and lessen the domination of the pitchers? Um, So they haven't done too much tinkering with us in that regard, other than uh, we're trying this year, we're going to be the proven ground for a way to shorten the game of baseball. So no game in the Frontier League this year is going to go longer than 10 and a half innings or eight and a half innings if it's a doubleheader. Because wow. doubleheaders, we play seven. Right. So how that's going to work is we play one extra inning with the runner on second base. After that inning concludes, the managers meet at home plate again if the game is still tied. And the home manager will choose to play offense or defense. If he chooses to play offense... A man, the guy immediately preceding the leadoff batter gets placed at first base. If he scores, game over. Walk-off win for the team that's playing offense. If he doesn't score and the team playing defense gets three outs, they win. They don't have to score a run. They don't have to bat again. So really trying to shorten the game, and that's coming down from Major League Baseball of how we get, like you said earlier, people with shorter attention spans or just not the – desire to sit through a four-hour baseball pitcher's duel how do we keep them involved in the game 
Yeah, I was going to say, you know, they talk about, well, you hear about it all the time, whether it's in the in the majors or whatever, but you hear all the time, oh, you know, the game is, well, the game is so traditional. Yes. Oh, the game is so long. How, how do they, I hear from people all the time, you know, at what point are they going to draw themselves from tradition and move into a more modern day baseball? And uh, I feel like, I feel like definitely in the MLB, there's always that, that conversation that is there. Yeah, that's always a tricky one because so much of how baseball is, how baseball retains fans or gets new fans is from going to the ballpark with an elder member of their family who is a big baseball fan and having the game taught to them through the person in their family who played little league in the 60s, 70s, whatever, you you know, just the game getting passed down from generation to generation. So the further you deviate from the game of the last generation, you lose those fans and they don't pass it on to the youngsters at home. Now you could say that the youngsters can pick it up on their own when they see this new product or this enhanced game, or they get to interact on social media with like a Juan Soto or Pete Alonso or Aaron judge, but there's still that separation there. There's not the, the, warm fuzzy feeling you get from the memories that are associated with the mm-hmm. game you know so I, I think they're they're really trying to pick and choose their spots and slowly work away from tradition without completely throwing it out the window yeah I mean so often I see in every sport and it seems to be a trend too like speed one yes. and like we talked about attention spans and and offense too like it just in every sport it seems to be growing speed and offense and points and points and I feel like if you're if you haven't been a baseball fan since you were little, it seems as though like when you become older and let's say your dad's baseball fan or he's not and, and you are on the edge, it almost seems harder to grab those types of, uh, of, of viewers and listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's it's a tricky there because there's no easy answer. Yeah. And it's I don't completely side with the fatalists of the sport is dying. I don't think it's dying. I think right. it's undergoing the glacier moving speed of a course correction and they're just being slowed down by the the older heads in the game that want to keep it as if it was 1950 i want to go i want to keep it well actually i want to ask you because i think this is a really interesting question what what do you think it means to you to be a part of jackals baseball give me give me a little bit about the team how, how what is what is the sense around the team right now what does it mean to you to be a part of the uh, the organization well, it means everything to be a part of the organization, uh, to, uh, to grow up with this team and, and see, you know, come to a handful of games every summer to now having arguably the best seat in the stadium behind home plate for yeah. all 51 home games is just, uh, it's a dream come true. Uh, you know, it wasn't ever something I thought about when I was running around chasing foul balls as a kid, but just to see the kids having the same experience that I did. It's, it's just something that I, I find myself smiling like an idiot during every broadcast. Cause I see a kid <laughs> who got his first foul ball at a game and then he goes and gets it signed by our catcher. Who's a really great guy. And then that's something that he's going to remember for his life. But it, for us, it's just one small moment in a, a season full of thousands of them. So it yeah. means everything. It means everything from that. And then it's the 25th anniversary season. So this is going to be a really, really special year to look back on some of the great things that I was a witness to or some of the great players that I saw play that I now get to introduce when they come back and, you know, put on my best, like John Sterling, Michael K imitation when they come out on the field for like old timers day, basically. 
this is, you know, it's, it's a goosebump feeling every time you walk into the stadium. And for this year, it's been amplified. Yeah, no, I wanted to say too, that the, the connection that you were talking about with the fans, I feel like is so important because when we talk about fans who are maybe on the edge and we're trying to bring them back in that, that connection you get. Cause I, I feel as though you don't get that in, in a lot of other sports, whether it's professional or whatever it is, you know, in the NFL, you don't get that prop maybe in the NBA, if you're sitting expensive court side, but you don't sure. get that a lot. And I think that's, that's a really good turning point for fans to lock in on um, and, and go see some Jackals baseball. Yeah. There's, I mean, in, in pretty much every sport except the NBA, there's a barrier between you and the yeah. players. Our guys do a tremendous job of where appropriate breaking down that barrier. So we have steps on either side of the dugout that the kids come down to run the bases on Sundays, but they're always hanging over that railing into the dugout to, to get an autograph or the, the seats are low. So if you're sitting behind the on deck circle, which you can do for 17 bucks here at a game, as opposed to going to Yankee stadium and paying a year's yeah. worth of rent, uh, you know, you're <laughs> sitting, you're sitting right behind them as they're in the on deck circle. And a lot of the guys will talk about it be like, you know, if you say, the little kid's there and he says, hey, like, are you going to go hit? Yeah, I'm going to go try to smash that ball over the wall. It's, those are things you're not going to get in a lot of right. other places. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's the interactive experience that, I mean, I always mention too and I always talk about, which is so important to fans and, and families too because you're mm-hmm. always trying to find something like that. Exactly. So going off of that point, what are you most excited to see about Jackals baseball um, what are some upcoming, maybe fun things that, that people should know about that's, uh, that's right around the corner? Yeah, so I mentioned the 25th anniversary, and so that the June 4th game against Quebec, who's a longtime rival of ours, is going to be the exact 25 years to the day that they opened an as-yet-unfinished Yogi Bear Stadium. I mean, I, the concrete was still drying on the place when they played here in 1998 <laughs> for the first time. Uh, so that's going to be a really, really, that's going to be a highlight of the season. And, um, you know, obviously it has to be, it's fortunate that it comes on a Saturday when we'll have fireworks and it's fortunate that it's 25 years to the exact day that we played our first game. I just wish there was a little bit more in the middle of the season because it's going to be a quick run up to that. And then everything else is just baseball as usual, but we have our great promotions. We we're bringing back the Jersey wise guys which leans into like that Sopranos sort of culture. Uh, the Jersey wise guys were a sister team of ours in the 2020 pandemic season. Um, so that's just going to be really great to see people coming out in costume and, and sort of, you know, leaning into uh, a show that everyone loves around here. Um, and then your standards, you, you've got a Marvel day. We've got a star Wars night. We have your thirsty Thursday promotions that are super popular at this level, the fireworks Saturdays, uh, but really just getting to see the everyone back out to the ballpark. Uh, last year was better in terms of attendance, but people were still just a little too unsure. Now we've gotten to an area where a lot of people are comfortable coming out to big gatherings. And now in my role as director of sales, I'm booking group outings for companies and schools and things like that. And I think through our first three homestands in either once per homestand or for every game of that homestand, we have a group of 200 or more. So that's a lot of people that are at the stadium going to make a lot of noise, even if they're not baseball fans. When you see that the bases are loaded at the bottom of the eighth inning with a guy up at the plate trying to take the lead, you're going to get into the game. You just can't help it. So that's going to be a lot of crowd 
and noise and action at a stadium that in 2020 desolate. I mean, we were like basically giving the mic to someone in the stands just so that they can make some crowd noise. 2021, a little bit better on certain nights, especially towards the end of the season this year, full bore starting with our opening game in May, we're going to have a packed house. And that's, I think that's the thing that I'm most excited for is to see communities coming back out and enjoying the game again. I think that's interesting too, because in 2020, so many people, and obviously we know what happened. We had the pandemic and we're in some lengths, we're still going through it. That there, there was a, so many businesses that either went out or just got decimated by it. And I'm happy to see that you guys have grown. How, would you say that you're, you're fully back to, to what it was maybe 2019 levels or well in 2019, the, they, they, there wasn't the merge, but how has right. the, have those numbers grown? Yeah, I, so we're definitely seeing the the fan interest coming back, and I think I have at least three calls a day that say, yeah, you know, we used to come out all the time, but we haven't mm-hmm. been in two years. Like, that's great. That's exactly what we want. We want people to know that, hey, we're still here. Uh, we, we're still here for you, and we can't wait to have you back out at the ballpark. And whether you have 25 years of memories with us or you're about to make your first, you're going to get treated the exact same we can't wait to see you. We can't wait to give you a great product here at the stadium. Uh, and, and so it's, it's just, it's nice to have those conversations with people. Um, I'm looking for something safe and fun to do with family. I haven't seen in two years Well, we have picnic areas, we have uh, a bar you can hang out in, in the concourse. I mean, we have great seats. You're, you can pay $20 on or $20, $20 for a seat and a hot dog. And you're sitting in our upper deck, but you're still right there. You can't do that at a Yankee game. Can't yeah. do that at a Met game. You know, your your our upper deck is where the probably the cheapest uh, lower concourse seat is at Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. And even then, our cheapest is still like sixty bucks less than that. So we we want to be a place for the community to come and gather again. We highlight a lot of the businesses that made it through the pandemic too. They're still here. They support us. You support them. Let's just put it all together. Right. And yeah, Yankee Stadium, you're paying, <laughs> you're paying for the parking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're paying exactly. that, that seat you're getting there. You're getting, you're paying for the parking at, uh, Absolutely. at Yankee Stadium. So yeah. So I got a little bit of a two-parter for you. Sure. And uh, I, I'm happy that we're getting into this because it sounds like, you know, it seems like a really fun place to be for the kids, for the families, for everybody to kind of get there and join together. So Let's let's talk about this a little bit, because I know we went into it and you went into it a little bit. But why should people watch Jackals baseball this year? And we know the home opener is uh, May 20th. And what should people expect from the Jackals this season? Well, I think that this team is going to be really, really competitive, which is really exciting Uh, right from the get go. Instead of trying to figure it out or put it together or have the team bond day one, they're going to be ready to go. Uh, We have. All of our starting offense back from last year, save for our center fielder and our third baseman. So a lot of returning offense, which scored an average of six runs a game last year. So they're going to be, there's a combination of power, speed, and just good overall contact hitting. The reason the team wasn't that competitive last year was because of the pitching. We scored six runs a game. We allowed six and a half. So the pitching staff completely overhauled. We only have five returning pitchers from the entire staff, relievers, starters back this year. And I think from the early returns in camp, they look really, really good. They're pounding the zone. They're working with their pitch sequencing. 
And I think they're going to be, if they even lower it to allowing four and a half runs a game, this seems going to be almost impossible to stop if the offense performs at the same way right. that they did last year. I love it. I love it. This sounds good. <laughs> it's good for all the fans. we got to let them know how Jackals baseball is going to be this season. And we're, you know, trying to get people out and go see it. But I got, yeah. I got, a, I got a fun question for you here because I, I was snooping around, as I mentioned to you earlier. And uh, now, now I got the Jackals baseball and the Frontier League. I got them all on my social media pages. So I actually was looking through it, and I, and I found something. And uh, I saw they were doing, like, a little competition on, on social media for the logos. What happened mm-hmm. to the Jackals? I thought they had a really cool logo, and uh, I was really excited for them. Yeah, got, got upset. Got out of the first round, which is great. Right. We, we, we loved that, but, but got upset in the second round. And uh, that, that competition is actually into its finals between uh, Lake Erie and Trois Riviere. So two logos that I'm okay to lose to. I mean, a, a grape that looks like it can yeah. beat you up in a dark <laughs> alleyway and a majestic bird. Like, uh, again, I think the logo is great. I right. think if Honestly, I think our, our old logo from the 90s could have been great, too. It was a jackal that kind of oh, looked like a, I saw it kinda, that, yep. It, it kind of cool. looked like yeah. the Batmobile. Like, there's a baseball that looks <laughs> like a spinning wheel as the jackal's moving forward. I think if we went with that one, we might have had more of a shot to get into at least the semifinals. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. We're, we're happy with where we stand. We know that the fans like it. We see them wearing all sorts of merchandise, whether it's from the old logo or the new stuff we put out. And then uh, if we had entered the alternate identity of the Jersey wise guys, I mean, who's stopping that, but it has to be the team current branding per league rules. So whatever, we'll tip our cap. And uh, (laughs) you know, if 12, if 12 Riviera wins, we'll just, you know, we'll see them on the field uh, this, this summer and we'll prove who's actually the better team, not just the logo. So. All right. I got, I got a few more questions for you before, uh, before we close it out today, but I wanted to go back. Um, to you and, and maybe the people that are watching college students or whatever, who could, who could possibly use some advice or, or just looking for some suggestions. So if you had any advice to share from your journey, as we talked about earlier, whether it was aspiring to be a TV student or just a, or just a college student that's out there right now, or just a student in general, what would you say to help them moving forward? Never say no. Uh, that's, that's the biggest thing. It's, if, if they're asking too much of you, they're only doing it because they think you can handle it. I mean, if, if you're in an internship situation and they are asking you to do something that feels overwhelming, they think you can handle it. Otherwise, they wouldn't give it to you at all. They wouldn't waste their time. So, you know, always, you know, always feel like you can ask for help, which you should if you need it. But just always take something under advisement. Never just dismiss it out of hand because you never know what kind of learning experience it could lead to you. Um, if you're a student who's looking for an opportunity, try to widen your horizons a little bit. So I started full bore on air, anything that was content creation, I was going and doing it. Most of my college experience work, internships, whatever, were within sports still, but sports business. And there's a lot more opportunities to be had there where you can bring content creation ideas to a business setting. So broaden the horizons and always be available to someone to help out. And if you're at an internship where you're sitting around, no one's giving you anything to do for a little while, you'd be amazed how much can happen if you just walk into somebody's office or stand by their cubicle and say, can I help you with anything? No. All right. Then can I just watch what you're doing? You know, I'll stay out of the way. I'll Mm -hmm. stay in the background and take notes. I just want to, or if they're going into a phone call, 
you don't have to say anything on the phone call, obviously, but just ask to sit in, see how they conduct themselves. You, you can, it's a Yogi Bear quote. You can learn a lot by watching, you know? It, so just always take in everything you can in a work environment and, and make yourself invisible until you're actually needed. And then you'd be amazed how quickly that turns into, Hey, I need you to do this. You do this, handle this, talk to this guy. Um, you know, I went from being an intern here at the Jackals to now I'm heading up their sales department and bringing in money from companies that, that trust us to handle those sorts of details. I've signed contracts with Marvel for our, Mar our Marvel night. And all of that is background that I had from working at the NHL and reviewing legal contracts, working for the Nets and reviewing legal contracts. So those are all skills that I acquired just learning at an internship that I'm now using here. So it, you never know when something you learn is going to come back to help you in four, five, six years. Yeah, no, I, I, right now, currently, I'm at a, um, a community college down in Ocean County, and I'm on my, my last year going to graduate here and get my uh, associate's degree before I move on and get my bachelor's. Congratulations. But I tell people, thank you. I, I tell people here all the time, too, um, whether it was working in the newspaper or working in the news station, you know, it's so important to, to keep working at it, keep getting your stuff out. And, and so often I see, and I try, to, I try to talk to a lot of people about it, you know, you're here, you're doing, you're in this major, you're in this field. This is a great time to get your workout, practice it before you go out into the real world, and then you have to really do it. And especially at an internship as well, it's funny that you brought that up because my professor actually we, we were talking about that today in class. So often you you can find yourself maybe not doing so much in an internship if you just go and ask or if you just go in and listen and you just go and sit on something. There's so much you can learn. And I think exactly. that's so important for people to understand. Yeah. And it, it, it's, a, it's an acquired skill too. If you're more of a quiet, reserved person, it takes a yeah. lot from you to just walk up to someone that you don't really know and say, can I just like live in your shadow for five minutes? Um, so, so that's already a leap that you have to take, but it leads to a lot of great stuff. I want to go back to you for a second. Sure. And because we, we talked about everything. We talked about who you are, the experience you had, we just talked about some advice, knowing what you know now and, and all the experiences you've had, is there anything you would change if you could go back and do it? Ooh, it's a great one. Um, hmm. Pro probably, I mean, it's, it's a cop-out. I feel like it's a cop-out answer, but probably not. Everything at the time, there were decisions where I was racked by whether I made the right mm -hmm. call or not. But looking back on it in the entire picture, I, I really don't feel like anything was was done in error or anything should be done over again. Um, I probably would have backed off a little bit on having like a set plan as a, as a youngster and, and being so analytical. Mm -hmm. But even that, I think, helped me a little bit in getting to where I am now. So I, I wouldn't really change anything at all. Finally, uh, well, before we'll go to one more thing before we, we close it out. But finally, one last one last question for you. Sure. If you had to describe yourself in three words or maybe just a short sentence of it, who is Reed Keller, and how would you how would you how would you define yourself there? Sure. Uh, Left-handed, which I guess is a hyphenated, so we'll count that as one. <laughs> uh, it's just because I think that's the first thing a lot of people notice about me. Uh, uh, me as well <laughs> it, it, there you go it, it's always it's always unique no matter how many lefties people have met uh big 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 sports fan 
Um, I, I think that's obvious from the work experience we've discussed today. <laughs> Can't get in the field like without that. that. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely not. Uh, so, so huge sports fan, and then just uh, I, I like to consider myself as a as a pretty dedicated person, um, dedicated to the job, dedicated to my friends, dedicated to family. So, uh, lefty sports and dedicated. That's right. My half of my family, I have six, six people in my family. I got obviously my mom, and my dad, and I got three other siblings. So half of us are, are lefties and half of us are righties. So See, we were talking about it. this. We were talking <laughs> about this in the dugout yesterday. So some, some of the left-handers on our team, uh-huh. they all have people that they're related to that are left-handed. I don't have anyone that I'm like d- directly. My, really? my, my mom's <laughs> father, my mom's father was left-handed but my parents aren't and okay. nobody that I'm like blood related to that's currently living is left-handed. So I just, I, I just fell into it, I guess. I think there's, I think there's a percentage for, for lefties. I don't know what it is of, of, of people in the world, but I think it's like a small percent. Yeah. Small percentage of the world, but a big percentage of people that are famous and have like gone on yeah. to lead the free world and presidents. So, you know, we, we, yeah. we it, it's small, but that small percentage is placed in important roles. The first person, I don't know why, but always comes to mind is, is, is Michael Vick because he was left-handed. Yep. He was a left-handed thrower. But there's yep. so many people in sports, too, that were left-handed. And, uh, and, you know, I would say at first a lot of people were, were probably unsure if they could do it, and, and they proved a lot of people wrong. Yep, that's, that's exactly what there was always a, there were, My mom tells me all the time, you know, and a lot of my family, they went to, uh, they went to a lot of different private schools and Catholic schools and all that. And, and yep. they, they, it was almost like a stigma around left-handers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well – so that was the other part of it. So I'm left-handed. And I was born on a Friday the 13th. So I am a, <laughs> I am a uh, religious person's worst nightmare yeah. in multiple signs of, of the underworld. But that's fine because, <laughs> you know, it gets to be a little mischievous that way. Right. All right. Well, before we close it out, I want to, I want to give you the floor. Um, I wanted to go to our final thoughts for today. Um, I want to give you a chance to maybe speak to the fans, uh, let them know where they can find information about Jackals baseball. So I just want to leave the floor to you one last time. Um, tell, you know, anything you have left that you wanted to share today about Jackals baseball, about yourself, um, and, uh, and give it to the audience. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the league website is frontierleague.com. Uh, that's the league website where you can catch up on everything going on around the circuit. Uh, our individual website is jackals.com, J-A-C-K-A-L-S.com. Uh, from there, you can look at our schedule, look at our promo schedule, buy tickets, and listen to the game for free on Mixler. Um, or if you're familiar with the Mixler platform, that's M-I-X-L-R. Uh, you could search for us. It's NJ Jackals uh, within that specific website. Uh, and then if you want to watch the games and uh, want to pay for the Flow Sports subscription, which is about $30 a month, uh, you get access to all the Frontier League baseball teams, as well as all the great stuff that Flow Sports does. They do wrestling. They do college baseball. They do a couple of other sports. I'm still digging through the platform myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll have a four camera robust setup for all of our home games. Uh, the other teams across the league do a great platform as well. Uh, so check us out there. And uh, if you're in the area or you're going to be traveling through the Northern New Jersey area, we would love to see you out at a game. Uh, we have 51 home games starting May 20th, running through August 25th. Uh, so, you know, come on out. We've got something for everybody. We've got great drink specials. We have tremendous food. Our concessions guy is an absolute wizard. Uh, and we have uh, great promotions and giveaways as well. Yeah, at the Yogi Bear Stadium, correct? Yep, Yogi Bear okay. Stadium on the campus of Montclair State. Uh, can't miss it. It's accessible from Route 46, Route 3, all the major highways in the Essex County area. 
I can attest to that. That it is beautiful up there. I've been up there. It's, it's, it's a great area. Yep. So, Reed, I want to say thank you for coming on. It was an on, actually honorable day for me because I've never met anybody named Reed before. So you are <laughs> my you first go. here. <laughs> Fantastic. Glad but, I set the bar high. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, and taking the time out of your day to, uh, to come on the podcast and talk about Jackal's baseball, a little about yourself, and, and give some advice to the audience and some students out there as well. Of course, Jake. My pleasure. So thank you for joining me today on another edition of Jake's Takes. Of course, I'll be back next Saturday to provide more of my takes. Remember to visit Tunnel Vision Sports at tvsportsmag.com and follow our Instagram at tunnelvisionsports underscore and our Twitter account at underscore TV sports. And don't forget to follow the Jake's Takes Instagram at Jake's Takes TVS, just like that. For everything you need podcast-wise, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, follow button, leave a like, comment, rating uh, on the podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. For Reed Keller, I'm Jake Serrano signing off. Thank you once again for listening. And remember to keep up with all your sports needs with Tunnel Vision Sports, positive shift in sports media. We get it popping, homie, day and night. Got the party jumping, got to break the ice.